Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Good morning, wonderful people. Welcome to The Rocks. So good to have you here with us and so good. I'm glad to be here also with you. Uh, Welcome to those online too. We love to have you with us, part of our gathering this morning. Last Sunday, we began this brand new series called You're Not the Boss of me. And uh, I want to dip into the second message in this series this morning. Uh, We we began this series last week, uh, Jesus teaching on the principle of negative stuff residing in our hearts that may easily come out. In fact, the religious leaders who came down from Jerusalem Uh, to talk to Jesus and his disciples, they came down to kind of catch Jesus out to say, hey, you're eating your lunch and you never washed your hands before you ate your lunch. If your parents say that to you, you go and wash your hands. But these guys were not on about hygiene and health. They were on about religion. And Jesus said to them, you know, it's kind of not what goes into your mouth and down inside that's the problem here. It's what's already in your heart that comes out. And I want to call the heart the aquifer of your heart. And if you think about an aquifer, uh, in, in WA, in the Perth region, we have good groundwater that's only a few meters down that we can tap into and put a bore in there and pump that groundwater out of that aquifer to water your gardens out the front of you so that you can park on nice green lawns. Now, the problem here at Cannington, the same at Baldivis, It's in the aquifer that we pump the water out of. That aquifer has iron oxide in the water. And when it gets pumped out, it leaves a stain on everything. Uh, Your cream brick wall becomes bore water brown. Uh, Your brick pavers, doesn't matter what color they were when you put them down, they're bore water brown. Uh, Even on the curb out the front here, you'll see where the sprinklers go, ball water brown. Now, some aquifers in the Perth region actually have limestone sediment in them. And uh, they, they get a little bit of white stuff all over their brown walls. We get the brown stuff over the white walls, they get the white stuff over... The... What's in the aquifer is what's going to come out. What's in the aquifer of your heart, Jesus said, is what's going to come out. Uh, the, the picture of the wall will show you that. Uh, the, the brown water stains the cream bricks. Uh, so uh, our conversation about these things uh, with Jesus uh, began with Jesus' dialogue with these religious leaders who bothered about what went in. Jesus said it's not a matter of what's going in. It's a matter of what's already in there, which will come out. And Jesus addressed these religious leaders in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 18 to 20. And he listed a number of things, sediment, if you will, uh, gunk, if you will, bad stuff, if you will, that's already in the aquifer of the average human heart. And he said, well, it's like murder is in there already, and like adultery is in there already, and uh, sexual immorality is in that aquifer of your heart, and theft and uh, false testimony, and slander. And so Jesus said, all those things are in there. And now Jesus spoke about this theme, this principle, not just once in the Gospels, but many times. So it's, it's an issue if Jesus addressed it many times, 
It's an issue that we need to deal with. So in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus said, A good person produces good things from the treasury of his heart. Uh, and, and, from the, uh, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What's, what's in there? What, what's in there is going to flow out. What, what you say and do began as a thought in the aquifer of your heart. Brown water from your brown bore water aquifer will brown stain. White water, limestone water, white stain. What you say and what you do flows from what is within your heart. Uh, and, and, and that list that Jesus mentioned in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 18 to 20, adultery, murder, theft, slander, false testimony, and so on. Jesus says, it's not what goes into your mouth and down to the inside of you that's the problem, it's what comes out. And the thoughts are in there and they're going to come out as murder, theft, slander, and so on. Uh, and these defile the person rather than what goes in there. Uh, and, and, and when they come out, they defile by leaving a stain on everyone around you. Back in the Old Testament, uh, uh, there was a king by the name of Solomon, and he, along with a, n- a number of other wise people, wrote a document called the Book of Proverbs. It's a, a, a proverbial wisdom. And uh, one of the proverbs that Solomon wrote says this, Proverbs 4.23, says, above all else, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. He didn't say just monitor your heart. He said, guard your heart above all else, above all the other wisdom that I've given you in the book of Proverbs, above, above all other wisdom by other proverbial wisdom writers, guard your, make guarding your heart your top priority is what Solomon is saying. Because everything you do and say eventually flows out from your heart. So in addition to just monitoring your behavior, uh, well, well you, you need to guard your heart. Now, most of us, most of humanity is pretty good at monitoring their behavior, right? Uh, uh, except for maybe the occasional cranky tennis player, maybe they don't monitor their behavior too good, throw down rackets and break them, or maybe the occasional golf player like that. But you're all very good today monitoring your behavior. You're all seated here in rows. You're actually doing me the, the, the honor of looking up this way, whereas actually probably when you first sat down, you've got other stuff going on in your head, right? Like what you're going to have for lunch. Will I go to the next welcome lunch? Will I go across the road to Carousel and buy something? What about the car I want to buy? What about the house that I put a down payment on? What about getting another job? All this stuff you're thinking about, and I've just reined you in about monitoring your behaviors, and now you're back on track, which is a good thing. But Solomon says it goes beyond monitoring your behavior and sitting in a straight line and looking forward. And Jesus said it's more than monitoring your behavior. Uh, he, he, he says it's a matter of guarding your heart because what's in your heart may just spill out like brown bore water and stain everything around you. What, what your parents, what your parents had in their heart spilled out over you. What your parents have in their hearts spills out over each other. 
That's just the way it works. So Solomon says, guard your heart. Jesus says, guard your heart. This is a big deal because what you have in your heart may just spill out over everyone. It will spill out on those closest to you. So guarding your heart, I want to give you some practicalities here, involves two things. Firstly, see our hearts, like the bore water in the, in the aquifer, uh, they, they have toxins. Every human heart has toxins uh, that are in the aquifer of your heart. So maybe rather than cleaning out the toxins of your heart, these toxins are not pretty things. They're, they're pretty ugly things in the human heart. So maybe it's more like cleaning out the toxins from the swamp of your heart. Maybe it's more like that. So I want to just focus on one of them this morning. We do a whole series and we focus on all of them over the series. I just want to focus on one little bit of yucky gunk that tends to seep into the aquifer of the heart. So number one, you cleanse out the toxins that are in there. Number two, guard your heart that no more toxins seep in through the soil of your life into the aquifer of your heart. This particular bit of gunk that I want to talk about this morning uh, that's in the aquifer of our hearts is called guilt. Guilt, guilt. Guilt is an emotion. And so we feel guilt, right? That's what we do, we feel it. And guilt comes in different shapes and sizes. You can feel guilty when you're actually not guilty. You feel the guilt, but you've actually not done anything that's actually, nothing big deal that you've done that deserves you to say, I'm guilty because you just feel it. And that's false guilt. And some people deal with that. And you need to get some counseling to get over that. And I don't even want to talk about that one this morning. That's for another Sunday. The one we are concerned about today is the guilt that we feel because we really are guilty. We've done something to deserve the title of guilt on this occasion. We did something wrong. And what we tend to do when we did that something, we rehearse it over and over and over and over again. And if you're not careful, what you did in the past will define you for the present and for the future. And then there is the guilt that is real because we did something in the past, we did something in a, in a relationship, and we feel the guilt. And, and with this guilt, what we did in that relationship, in that job, whatever it might be, it's so overwhelming and so crippling and so weighty that we, 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 we try to bury it. And so we build up like a narrative or a story that will kind of let us off the hook and we bury, bury this thing, and occasionally it will poke its head back up again, right? And you go, where did you come from? Uh, and it surfaces, and so what we do when it surfaces, we've already cooked up a story to show that we are not really so bad as what we thought we might have been according to the guilt that we've incurred upon ourselves. And so we say things like, well, when I did that thing, it wasn't just me. It was all my buddies around me. We, we kind of did it together. Or we say things like, oh man, I was only 18 then, I didn't know any better. And I was 18 once, people, I really was. And I did some things. And I was only 18, I pulled that one down and I go, hey, the thing I did, well, I think my dad did that, my parents did that, I think my grandparents did that, so it probably runs in the family. And we kind of come up with all uh, these excuses to kind of bury the guilt uh, so that the weight of the guilt 
doesn't kind of overwhelm us. And we all have these stories that we do to, to deal with the guilt. You know, that's what we do. That's what we do. We create our own narrative and suppress the guilt. And by doing that, let me tell you this. The guilt becomes the boss of me. The guilt becomes the boss of you when we do that. Every single wrong thing we said or did, everything we've committed against another person, in a sense, we have stolen something from them. Uh, if, we, if we said offensive things about them, we've stolen their good uh, identity from them. Uh, if we, if we uh, the one that Jesus mentioned was adultery, any, any adulterous relationship, uh, whoever committed that adultery committed it with somebody else, maybe the spouse of another, you've stolen from both the person you committed the adultery with and the spouse. And, and, and it's, 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 it's debt. But we don't, call, we, we don't tend to call it debt. Uh, we, we, it, it kind of, it comes to us as a weight. And the weight upon us of our guilt tends to throw us off balance. And uh, we, we kind of off balance in our relationship with ourselves, uh, off balance with our relationships with other people. And when we finally deal with that guilt and get rid of the weight of that guilt, and that's where we're going this morning, if you've got that, to get rid of it. This is what we say. I feel like the weight has been lifted from me. The weight is gone. Now, wherever you picked up the weight of that guilt, geographically, relationally, wherever you... Guilt's going to travel with you. You can go overseas, you can take a flight somewhere or other else, to paradise, and the guilt will go with you. And, and the thing about guilt is, this is what it does, often it will evolve into anger. Uh, anger, anger that actually leaks from the aquifer of your heart and spills a stain on those around you. And we say, you know, I wish I could rewrite my life. I, I would never do that again. I know a whole lot of stuff now that I didn't seem to know back then. I just wish I could. And, and we live with regret. Regret, 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 and regret over and over again. And so this morning, I want to I give you an account, a true story, of a man who had more regret than anyone else in this room, no matter what you're feeling right now. In fact, he had more regret, combine all of our regrets, every one of us in this room, Combine them together and put them in a big bag. He had more regret on his single self than the combined regret of all of us in this room. So I want to give you the, that, the story, the account of this man. This man, uh, some of you, if you've been in church for a while and reading your Bible uh, for a while, uh, you will have heard of this guy. Uh, he's called Saul of Tarsus, Saul's hometown uh, was a town called Tarsus in modern-day Turkey. It's still there, the town. And, and this man Saul, Saul of Tarsus, he steps onto the pages of history, and we find him arresting people. We find him torturing people. We find him imprisoning people. And in some cases, along with others, uh, executing innocent men and women in the name of God. And here's the thing. You think about this regret. Later on in life, he would meet and even be in community 
with the children of some of those parents, and then it will all come back to him. He's in community with the children of some of the parents that he persecuted. And uh, can you imagine the horror and the terror as he thinks about what he did back then? He can even hear the screams of those that he tortured, and he remembers. We can't imagine his regret. It's so big. The amazing thing is that he did not come up with stories to cover the guilt, to bury it. He didn't do that. Uh, instead of living in denial, uh, he, didn't, he didn't allow the guilt to weigh him down. He found a third way. That, that's two ways you can deal with guilt, is to make up a story to kind of cover it and bury it and hope it doesn't pop its head up again, or you can just be weighed down for the rest of your life because of the thing that you did, you know, the shame and the guilt of it all. But there's a third way. And uh, uh, this man, Saul of Tarsus, uh, became a new man because he followed Christ and embraced Christ and they gave him a new name. It was Paul. He wrote this, Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life uh, has, 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 has set you, you free from the law of sin and death, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Saul, hometown Tarsus, became a follower of Jesus Christ. He became a new man with a new name, Paul, and with no condemnation. He no longer needed to pretend it didn't happen. He no longer needed to make excuses why it did happen. And he was no longer living under self-condemnation or God-condemnation. Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, by faith embraced Jesus, and by embracing Jesus, he embraced everything that God had done through Christ for us and for him. And now Saul, whose name is Paul, writes that freedom comes through the Spirit who gives life. This life-giving Spirit sets us free from the law that condemns. Hey, laws and rules are okay, but laws and rules can never set you free. Uh, laws and rules uh, can never deal with your shame or your guilt. What laws and rules can do is they set a standard. And it doesn't matter if they're the laws and rules that you can find an abundance of in your Old Testament book in the Bible or some that you may find in your New Testament or whether they're federal laws in Australia or state laws city of Canning laws, whatever they might be. None of them can set you free. Uh, none of them can deal with the shame and the guilt. Whatever laws or rules uh, you have violated or broken that have kind of dinged your conscience and given you that sense of guilt and shame, uh, that, that just left you limping through life with a weight of guilt. That, that, that they're never going to be able to repair you Never going to deal with your guilt and your shame. They cannot take the weight of the guilt from you. Those laws are not able to repair anything, to be perfectly honest. They, they just set a standard. And so here we go. God sent his own son, Jesus, who was never guilty of anything. Uh, he, he didn't send him just to show you how to live. He did send him to show you how to live, but not just that. He didn't send him just to show you what God was like, and Jesus does that. 
You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. God sent him for that reason. But not just that. He didn't just send Jesus to show us how to love, and we all need to know how to love, and Jesus shows us that. But he didn't just come to show us that. God sent Jesus, who was never guilty of anything, to take upon himself what you and I are guilty of, to take on himself what we deserved so that we could be set free. Romans 8, 3. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. At the cross, that very first Easter, Jesus took on himself what you and I actually deserved. He took our sin, he took our condemnation, he took our shame, he took our guilt, uh, the divine condemnation. If, if God is, is mad at us for breaking his rules, he took that. The self-condemnation where we're likely to beat ourselves up because we know we didn't live up to the standard we wanted to live up to. Uh, Jesus took all of that. He took it all. In spite of your actual guilt, uh, God has restored everyone in this room to a guiltless relationship with himself. Romans 8 and verse 1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As I get ready to land this message this morning, I want to give you four things that, that, that happen in relation to your dealings with guilt uh, when you take advantage of God's offer through Jesus Christ. God has given us an offer through Jesus Christ. It's up to you whether you want to take advantage of it or not. Uh, and his sacrifice, through his sacrifice on the cross. Four things. Firstly, you actually forfeit the right to condemn yourself. Uh, when you hook up with the offer that God's given you, when you become a Christ follower, you give up the right to condemn yourself. For some of you here today, you know you're guilty, and you've been doing such a good job of burying it by making up stories. Well, I was only 18. I was just a teenager. What do I know? My dad used to do things like that. So I guess it runs in the family. Uh, all my buddies remember, we were all doing it. It's just the kind of thing we did, you know. And then today, who should come along but the preacher, Gordon, and he's bringing it all to the surface. He had it buried so neatly. He had it locked away. Thank you, Gordon, for coming and unearthing my guilt. I was doing okay until you came along. What did you do that for? Well, I, I just want to give you the good news, right? Because you don't have to bury it, and you don't have to allow it to condemn you. Rather than burying anything, just hear what the Word of God says to you. And says this, there is now therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So stop condemning yourself and go to the gospel of Frozen, chapter 1, verse 1. Let it go. In Jesus' name. Huh? You don't even remember the message, remember that? We should write a song about it. Let it go, let it go. Secondly, your guilt will remind you, but it will not define you. Your guilt will remind you, but it will not define you. You did the thing, but you are not what you did. 
You did the foolish thing, but you are not what you... Let your past and what you did that has the propensity to bring guilt, let it, let it not do that. Let it underscore the love and the forgiveness and the grace of God because He has done that for you in love and grace and forgiveness. Whatever it was you did, let that not define you. Underscore the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God. No perfect people allowed, right? We say that all the time at the rocks. Uh, here's the thing. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. We are work. We are work in process and progress. Thirdly, firstly, you, 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 you forfeit the right to condemn yourself. Thirdly, you, you forfeit the right to condemn others. Here's the thing. Now you've gotten hold of it. You are forgiven and you don't have to let the guilt be a weight on your shoulders and you look around you see the others are doing the stuff that you did that you did cut free of and you go what's wrong with those people you forfeit the right to condemn others I'll tell you for why it's a short answer that would just make you a hypocrite and then we're going to say we're going to say to guilt you're not the boss of me you would have to then line up and say uh, to, to hypocrisy you're not the boss of me either that would just be hypocrisy thirdly you forfeit the right to condemn others fourthly you are free now to make restitution where you've harmed another. But I want to say, when you do that, just be careful. You don't want to open up wounds that don't need to be opened up in another. That's not your business. If it's anyone's business, that would be God's, not yours. So be careful with that. So landing this message now, right, and I want you to join me by saying a couple of things and so get ready for that I'm going to tell you what they are and then we're going to say them together number one we're going to say my past will remind me but it will not define me you ready for it here we go all together my past will remind me but it will not define me ready for another one here we go number two I'm going to say it quickly and then we say it together guilt you are not the boss of me get this one layout would you here we go Guilt, you are not the boss of me. Get out of my life. I just added that bit. You can do that too if you want to. We can say these things now. I can say these things now. You can because I have a relationship with God. You can have a relationship with God. Why I'm no longer condemned. And guilt, you, 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 you have never offered me that. Shame, you have never offered me that. Embarrassment, you have never offered me that. Pride, you have never taught me that, offered that to me. Uh, but if you're having a hard time forgiving yourself, and some of us do, on some issues, I want you to know this very good news. Yourself has already been forgiven. Yourself has already been forgiven. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. God in Christ has finished the plan on your behalf. And what he has finished, you can step into. Christ cried out from the cross, it is finished. He's done the job. There is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. People, as we wrap up our gathering together this morning, just a couple of things. I'm going to pray in a moment. We do have a prayer team here. And some of you, as you kind of it brought it to the surface, kind of did, you know, you thought, I buried that? a good excuse for why I did that and it's come to the service because there is no excuse uh, but actually Jesus has dealt with it and you need to deal with it and maybe you need prayer we have prayer people here for you to step forward into I'm going to pray and then after that I'm going to get you to stand and we're going to do as is our custom to offer you 
a blessing as we conclude. Father in heaven, so many people here, so many different things have occurred in so many different lives, so many things that we shouldn't have done, shouldn't have said, and then we feel the weight of the guilt. We tried to bury it, Father. Uh, sometimes it's just been too heavy and we can't bury it, it just surfaces. Feel the weight, feel the regret. But thank you, Father God, that you have declared there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Father God, whatever has been done, whatever has been said that hasn't been right, help everyone to step into the offer that you have this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit the rocks dot church